Another rule that I live by that I didn't really realize it is um, never take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade places with. But if you ask them for advice, follow the advice. Yep. And then consequently, if you follow the advice, the crazy thing is, and this is better than mentors. Yep. Like somebody comes up to me and says, would you be my mentor openly? Yep. Um, the answer is no. Yep. But you're talking about, you know, unofficially being your mentor. Yes, sir. Because you were implementing. Yes, sir. I mean, you learned and you started to implement. Uh, Y'all, my guest today (laughs) is uh, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, former FBI hostage negotiator, uh, and one of my um, mentors by proxy. You don't even know that. (laughs) Uh, The one and the only Chris Voss is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Chris. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Pleasure's <laughs> mine. I'm really happy to be here. Well, listen, um, I was so excited that we were going to have the opportunity to talk because um, I got your book and read it in 2019, Never Split the Difference. Right. And uh, that book literally changed my life. I know people think everything's life-changing and the most epic thing. We use these hyperboles a lot and... Um, Use a lot of words out of context, but your word uh, that that you gave tactical empathy and the writing of this book never split the difference um, was a huge catalyst for me. I started with what was at the time the gold standard getting to yes. Mm, right. Yeah. And I read getting to yes and I it didn't it didn't click with me. Right. It was too heady. I thought, man, I. Uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to get people to get to a yes. <laughs> you know, I got through the whole book. It was great. But then I read Never Split the Difference. And I'm not saying that it is the the anti-getting to yes book. But you introduced this concept of getting to know. And I was forever changed. So I just want to... I just want to start with you. This is, I, I wanted to introduce you to our audience because you have something significant to give us. I know that many of you will and should go out and get the book, but to hear from you personally is is always beautiful and the origin story is always dynamic. And so um, could you just give us the backstory on you? <laughs> Well, uh, let's see. Originally, small town Midwestern guy, um, son of Richard and Joyce Voss, Mount Pleasant, Iowa, town of seven thousand people. Wow. Grew up in an entrepreneurial environment, sort of a can-do environment. Um, my dad is an entrepreneur, sole proprietorship of a very blue-collar company, delivered gas and fuel oil, kind of the middleman shell oil company to the end, end users. You know, but his attitude was, you know. In, re- in reference to his kids, I'm paying for your room and board. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna work. Yep. So and very figure it out um, uh, attitude. I get a list of stuff to do. Yeah. And figure it out. Yeah. And my father was the kind of guy that um, would never ask you to do anything he wouldn't do himself. And there wasn't anything beneath him. If it needed to get done, it needed to get done. Didn't matter what it was. So grew up with that attitude. You sent my son out there a lot as he was growing up. My son Brandon has has the same can do attitude. Get get it done. Work hard. So then, wanted to be a cop. Became a cop in Kansas City. 
I'd seen a movie when I was a teenager called The Super Cops. Mm. And two New York City police officers that were wildly innovative and the community loved them. And I also didn't realize at the time, as as Mavericks, they really didn't pay any attention to what their bosses told them to do. Mm. And I realized that in hindsight now that appealed to me. I, when I was with the FBI, looking back on it, I would describe myself as a loose cannon that always hit the target. Wow. And so I had bosses that were, uh, if they were comfortable with not knowing a thousand percent what I was up to at all times, <laughs> but they would never be surprised badly. Mm. You know, me and my colleagues, we made cases. We, we thought of ourselves as entrepreneurs. We went out and we made cases. We made great cases. And um, when my son uh, also is very much like me. Very much like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huge. Down to the voice, man. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like, how did this dude get your vocal cords? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cadence of his speech, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm like, because you know, he's running the company, runs the Black Swan Group. The Black Swan Group wouldn't be what it is without him having built it, helped help build it up, built it. Yeah. But I'm, one day, a couple of years ago, I'm thinking, like this dude's not telling me what he's doing. I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, why am I being kept in the dark? And then I realized that he was exactly like me. So I sent my old boss, Gary Nessner, a text saying, my son is exactly like me. I owe you an apology. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, you know, he's, he texts back, well, you always made me proud. So, but anyway, cop, um, my father had higher aspirations for me as fathers do. When he realized I wasn't going to leave law enforcement, uh, he encouraged me to go federal. Mm. Didn't know one federal agency from another. The FBI was hiring. He originally got me interested in the Secret Service. Uh, A friend of his was a member of the Secret Service, and this guy told me, he says, you know, I've traveled all over the world with Secret Service. And I grew up in a small town in Iowa. Like, I hadn't been anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I crossed the Mississippi River was a big deal for me. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> going into the next state. Wow, that's, that's foreign travel. <laughs> right. So I thought, wow, that's, that sounds cool. Secret Service wasn't hiring. The FBI was. I thought, all right, let's 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 give this a, a whirl. Wanted to be on a SWAT team. It was slated to go on the SWAT team in Kansas City, where I was a cop. Mm-hmm. And then, so I got on the SWAT team. The FBI ended up in New York on the Joint Terrorist Task Force. And also tried out for the FBI's version of the Navy SEALs, which is the hostage rescue team, and uh, didn't make it and re-injured my knee in a, in a process. Mm. So I'm like, all right, you know, um, SWAT guys globally are very much like professional athletes, which means they stay with it till they're injured too much to keep it up. Mm. Usually lower back injuries is a common thing because you run around with all that gear on. Yep. So I thought, well, you know, I like crisis response. We got hostage negotiators. Let me try that. That that seems easy. How hard could it be? Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, my son and I, we we joked that there are two unofficial models of the Voss family. Number one is how hard could it be? And um, we worked after dark so much, working for my father. We used to say anything worth doing is worth doing in the dark. Mm. So, and then, you know, how hard could it be? Is, is a naive thing to say in most cases. It's very much like the redneck phrase, famous last words of a redneck, hey, watch this. <laughs> you know, you, yep. don't, you don't know what you're getting yourself yeah, exactly into. exactly right. <laughs> Looks easy. Right, exactly. And then we're dead. <laughs> Got killed. That's right. <laughs> sure, I can jump off this building. Right, exactly. 
Oh, wow. But then hostage negotiation was really cool. I get into it. I get um, it really appealed to me. I had volunteered on a suicide hotline to open a, uh, to get the access because I had, was un- unqualified and was told that I was unqualified. Mm-hmm. But then learned, I was, I, another rule that I live by that I didn't really realize it is um, never take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade places with. But if you ask them for advice, follow the advice. Yep. And then consequently, if you follow the advice, the crazy thing is, and this is better than mentors. Yep. Like somebody comes up to me and says, would you be my mentor openly? Yep. Um, the answer is no. Yep. But you're talking about, you know, unofficially being your mentor. Yes, sir. Because you were implementing. Yes, sir. I mean, you learned and you started to implement. That's right. And that's what you're really looking for from somebody. So, I, you know, I asked for advice on how to get in the FBI. Um, the advice that I was given made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I asked, and so I did it. Yeah. And I got in. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a hostage negotiator. I had asked for advice on how to get on the hostage negotiation team. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll do it. Yeah. And the some of the biggest breaks in my life have come from me asking the right person and then actually doing what they said. Even though it didn't seem like it matched it, what it, it is you were trying to get to. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. it, like it doesn't make, I don't understand. And uh, like when I was building up the Black Swan Group in the early days, I'm teaching at Georgetown in the business school, and, and they got me on a schedule where they've taken me off and they've doubled me down. Um, I like to teach one class in the, a, 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 a quarter, mm-hmm. which kept me employed year round. Mm-hmm. And one year they come back to me and we're going to double you up in the second half of the year. We're not going to give you anything in the first half of the year. Hmm. I'm like, now I got an empty calendar. Right. So, um, I was talking to a guy at a business club and he said, look, um, you want to develop your business, come out here every morning, just go to breakfast. There's a breakfast thing here. Come out every morning. People are used to seeing you. Be leery of the people that approach you right away, mm-hmm. but come out here steadily and the people that matter are going to notice you. They're going to approach you. And I remember thinking like, what good is it going to do me to show up for breakfast every morning, just sit there and eat breakfast? And what happened was this guy happened to be a very influential member of the business club. And when he saw that I followed his advice, which meant I was coachable, he then started approaching me with opportunities. About knew, how long was this? You know, he, he probably approached me after I'd been going to breakfast there for a month. You know, it, 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 it hadn't been that long, but he really wanted to see whether or not I was coachable. Absolutely whether or not I followed instruction from the right person. Yeah. And then he started throwing opportunities at me. And every, every single time that I took advice from the right person, it's got to be the right person. They got to know what they're talking about. Right. Like your mom gives you great advice. Yep. It's a pretty good chance your mom doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but she loves you. Exactly right. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, and, and, I, and a couple of people that I've spoken to, my mom thinks I should do this. And I, I'll say to them, look, your mom loves you. You know, I understand your mother loves you. Has your mother doing that professionally? Mm. Well, no. Well, look, your mother loves you. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Go find somebody that's doing it. Yep. And so just because somebody loves you because they're a friend doesn't mean you should follow their advice. Absolutely. So I followed advice time after time. And then I got into the negotiation unit, followed advice there, took initiative, followed, followed guidance. I want to, I want to, one of the most profound uh, moments of humility in your story um, is you sitting down at that suicide hotline 
for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about following advice, right? I'm, I see everything people say. So I have a very vivid imagination. Everything you're talking about, I'm actually watching. Oh, very like good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm watching you work in the dark. Like I'm watching your dad, you, you know, <laughs> delivering fuel. I'm, I'm, this is a whole yeah. movie for me. But, you know, talking about going to a country club for a month, it's a short amount of time until you realize I'm going every day of the week for four weeks in a row. Yeah. And I'm just having breakfast and then I'm getting up and I'm leaving because what's, what am I even doing? But you're doing it because you're following the advice. Right. And then to sit down and do this suicide hotline for a year. <laughs> Not like I did it for four weeks. I don't, I did it for seven weeks. I did. I mean, cause we got some people that they, they want advice, but they don't actually want to follow through with it. Right. For as long as it's going to take to actually have the moment that they that they want. Right. They're actually they have a timer going off in their head going, I did it for seven weeks and nothing changed. So what's the big deal? So I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of humility in taking someone's advice and kind of killing your ego in the process. Shout out to Derek Gaunt for ego, authority and failure. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, a great guy. Th- that's a that's a very you have to be wired a certain way to get that done. Interesting. Yeah, probably. And I've never really thought of myself as a patient person, but mm. it does require patience. Yes, sir. And like, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, leaning into the process. Yep. And just letting the process work for you. Yep. The suicide hotline thing, that was pretty easy to stay there just because I, you know, it was, it hit, it pressed two buttons for me simultaneously. It was immensely satisfying mm. to feel like you were making a difference in people's lives. Simultaneously, what made it a little bit easier to be there is I was there to learn. So if you're there to learn, then the frustrations are learning moments as opposed to frustrations. Like on a suicide hotline, most people get burned out. Mm -hmm. The gratification is insufficient if they're not also there to learn. Right. Like if you just go there to be selfless, the chances that you're going to get burned out really fast are really high. Yep. And I, I actually, for a variety of reasons, I ended up teaching there. Mm. And at the opening class that I taught, I would say, everybody here who's here to help people, raise your hand. And then I'd say, you are in a lot of trouble <laughs> because wow. it's hard to help people. Yeah. And, it, it, <laughs> and it, can, it can burn you out. Yep. And I knew that if their primary motivation was to help, which is a great motivation, or if their only motivation then the chances that they were going to get burned out because their desire to help when someone won't let you help them is incredibly disheartening. Absolutely. And I just wanted them to be aware of that. Understand it's a great motivation. You are incredibly vulnerable if your desire to help is so hard because you probably need the feedback that you helped. So it sounds like helping is hurting the person that's trying to help. It depends upon, it could be, you're yeah. very, you're very vulnerable. If like, if you're completely altruistic, I got to make the world a better place and the world does get a better place, but in many, in many cases it's invisible mm-hmm. or you don't feel it right away. I mean, and there's our society, American society, and we got all the same phrases everybody has because it's all human experience. Yep. 
you know, but everybody's heard no good deed goes unpunished. Mm. Like if you're doing good because you want immediate um, gratification mm-hmm. or uh, immediate recognition for being good, you're, you're going to feel like you're getting punished because you ain't, you ain't going to do it. But if, if you're willing to just, you know, make a deposit in a karma bank and let it go. Yeah. And pretty soon stuff starts coming back to you. Yeah, absolutely. 